Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. Today, we're going to speak with Brian Reagan, who is the Catholic Man of the Year, but we're going to talk about Flaherty O'Connor. We're going to talk about why I sing my hymns wrong, and we're going to talk a little bit about special hospitals in the Holy Land. Yes, it's thanks to uh, Western orders of chivalry, you know, the Knights of Malta and uh, people like them, that there is an obstetric hospital in Bethlehem that cares for everyone that, uh, that needs obstetric care or neonatal care, and uh, most of the patients are Muslim, but it's a work of the Catholic Church because uh, we serve our neighbors. And an eye hospital in Jerusalem where there's a great deal of even congenital eye disease that needs treatment among the Palestinians. And they also send um, mobile clinics out into the Bedouin encampments throughout the West Bank and Gaza uh, to care for those with eye problems. How appropriate that the best hospital in the Middle East is a maternity hospital in Bethlehem, and there's an eye hospital to help people see. You have to listen. Stay tuned. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program, broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. And this is your host today, Peter Karutz. Back on the radio, have been gone for a little bit. And we are live here in studio with Brian Reagan. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so glad you're here. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. And as you've heard me announce and remind you of many, many times, we have the Catholic Man of the Year every year, and Brian Reagan is this year's Catholic Man of the Year. So first off, congratulations. Thank you very much. And, and, and thank you for being such a good example. We're, we're going to take this program to get to know you just a little bit better. And as, as we've been talking and preparing for this, <clears throat> we will have quite a variety of things to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about Flaherty O'Connor. We're going to talk about why I can't seem to sing my hymns correctly anymore. <laughs> and then finally, there's a little something that went on this morning that hasn't happened in 70 or 71 <laughs> years that you have a little insight to, some, some, something about king and coronation and whatnot. Yep. So... It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So, Brian, first off, thank you for coming, and uh, I, I hope I warned you, but maybe I didn't. Uh, one of the things we do here is we start out with a prayer, and we ask our guests to, to lead us. So if you would, would you please? I will be happy to. Thank you. Um, those of you who uh, arose very early this morning may have had the chance to watch coverage of the coronation of uh, King Charles III on television. Uh, and uh, the uh, procession included the new cross of Wales to which uh, Pope Francis contributed 
small relics of the True Cross. And uh, I thought that it would be good for all of us to hear the way the king was greeted when he arrived at Westminster Abbey. And he was greeted by one of the small choristers who sing in the choir and who said, Your Majesty, as children of the kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the King of Kings. And the king replied, In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. Well, I hope that we all realize that in our different ways, we are kings. We all have responsibilities. We all have assets that have been given to us uh, only through our good luck or God's grace, not because we earned everything. And I hope we remember that whatever we have, it is our duty to use that, those resources to serve our neighbors. And so I pray, O oh Lord, please let us follow the good example of St. Joseph, who, acting as a father, served the King of Kings. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You know, uh, you, you said it, you mentioned St. Joseph. This is St. <laughs> Joseph Radio. St. Joseph Radio presents. Uh, and May 1 was actually the feast of St. Joseph the Worker. And there was a great movie out one day only on St. Joseph. But uh, if we could take a digression before we even hit, oh, the, sure. hit, the, hit the ground running. Uh, I, I always I always remember this great story that uh, Father Skillman told me, or at least explanation. Uh, we, we were on the radio, and he said, I asked him about, uh, you know, the, 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 what St. Joseph was thinking about when he was going to put Mary away quietly. <laughs> and he says, he says, think of it differently. Right, you all have known people who are saints, right? Real, honest to goodness saints, and and you feel different when you're in their presence. It's almost palatable, right? Well, now imagine that your best friend, the person you're literally married to, is Mary. It would change you as a person, and the the reason why Joseph was going to put her away quietly is not because he thought she had done something wrong, but because he would have sooner thought that there was a miraculous event than, it, than if Mary had done something wrong. And the reason is he, that he was going to walk away is because he clearly was not part of God's plan. So it was an act of humility as opposed to anger or anything else. So St. Joseph has always been... Uh, a servant, right? He served Mary, he served Jesus. Yes, and I think it's important to remember how much of his life was uh, a life of sacrifice. You know, in getting married, what he would have hoped for was a family and descendants, and uh, perhaps even as many fathers think they will be, and usually aren't, uh, the center of attention. He had to give all that up and giving up the idea of one's own progeny would be very difficult. You know, what uh, in uh, the Old Testament, you're rewarded not with the hope of heaven, but the hope that your seed belong in the land. He gave that up. And uh, we can think of St. Joseph in many ways. You mentioned him as St. Joseph the worker. And uh, we've uh, 
see illustrations of him uh, uh, plying his trade as a carpenter. But the icon of him that um, I found most moving recently is one that shows him uh, carrying in his hands, perhaps um, on a little tray, two turtle doves. Because one of the first things we see him doing in um, uh, the biblical account is making the sacrifice of the two turtle doves uh, that uh, would uh, redeem his uh, firstborn son when he comes to the temple. And that image of St. Joseph uh, related to the act of sacrifice, I think is, uh, it, it should be part of uh, our uh, uh, visual idea of St. Joseph. I've um, worked a lot with, I've thought a lot about St. Joseph lately because uh, I'm on the board of trustees at Pontbon uh, University, mm -hmm. which was founded by um, the Sisters of St. Joseph of Carondelet. And my daughters went to St. Joseph Academy. Yes. So we have a connection. Oh, yes. Uh, part of the family. Um, we recently um, des um, asked the British heralds to design a new coat of arms from, for us. So you have to tell us, what is a herald? Oh, a, a herald is, um, over the centuries, someone who makes announcements and uh, orders public ceremonies and designs coats of arms. Uh -huh, coats if, of arms. If you got up early today, you would have seen several of them in uh, the coronation. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, one of their important roles is uh, designing coats of arms for eminent individuals and corporations. Uh, and where uh, 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 the laws prescribe it, uh, they have an official function. So the, the queen has different sets of heralds, or I'm sorry, I'm still not used to saying the king, the king has yeah. different sets of heralds in England and in Scotland and in Canada. Uh, in America, you can do what you want, but <laughs> if you uh, like something a little more official uh, and you get the permission of the governor of your state, you can ask the British heralds to design a coat of arms for your corporation. Uh, you have to prove you're eminent first. Well, Fontbonne was certainly eminent, and uh, last fall, one of Her Majesty's heralds rushed here just after the royal funeral to present our coat of arms at our centennial convocation. And on the arms themselves, the, uh, on either side, there are Asian turtle doves, we wanted to make sure that they were the sort of turtle doves that St. Joseph right. would have sacrificed. And that represents our uh, connection to the Sisters of St. Joseph, but also through the idea of sacrifice to the ideal that they have always taught, which is to serve the dear neighbor without distinction, which is their way of putting, uh, you know, Christ's command that we love our neighbor as ourselves. There are some other things there. We have uh, six fleur-de-lis to represent the uh, first sisters who were sent to the wilds of Missouri in the 1830s because uh, uh, no one was here to teach most things and certainly no one was prepared to teach the deaf. And we also uh, have a, uh, the field of the coat of arms strewn with a particular Missouri wildflower to show, uh, to represent the students who bloom under our care.
or at least we hope they bloom, yeah, and many of right. them do. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. And this is not just someone drawing a little something and oh, four squares. This is the official, this is the real deal. This is the real thing. Yeah. And if you visit the College of Arms in London, you uh, find them looking through these uh, reference books that they're treating like phone books, but that are 300 years old, right. but have still been kept up to make sure that your coat of arms is unique. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want something that other people have used, you've either got to think of something else or change it a bit. The patent office uh, on steroids. Exactly. So tell me what the, I, I, I just saw it. You just showed me yep. a picture. Tell me what the saying is at the bottom, or the motto, I should say. It is our traditional motto, uh, which is, um, uh, et scientia, um, or Virtu et scientia. I never know whether to use uh, uh, church Latin or modern Latin pronunciations, so I simply pronounce all my Latin wrong, uh, which means, of course, uh, virtue and knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. That is our motto. We've used several slogans. Uh, uh, aim higher, uh, be more, know more, do more. Uh, but the slogans always uh, say what uh, the student is getting out of their education. Sure. The motto uh, traditionally has been about its real purpose, which is to serve uh, truth. So uh, colleges may uh, uh, entice you with a slogan uh, that's about you, but their motto should be something like uh, more light, more light of the University of California or uh, Veritas, Truth of Harvard. Uh, Of course, Yale had to top them and uh, use Lux at Veritas saying, uh, well, they only want truth. We want truth and light. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have have, uh, truth and virtue, which is probably even better. Yes. Which is even better. So let, let me, I want everyone to know a little bit about you. You're a, you're a scholar, you're an author, um, and a few of your works uh, have to do with uh, or at least one of them has to do with uh, Flattery O'Connor. Yes, yes. Tell me a little bit about this person, please. Uh, well, Flannery O'Connor is one of the great American authors of the 20th century. Uh, she uh, uh, was from the uh, not especially large Catholic community of Georgia, ah. uh, 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 born in Savannah, and until uh, about the age of 10, uh, grew up in uh, uh, Savannah and um, went to the cathedral down there, which is a lovely place to visit, and um, a Catholic school. Then uh, her family moved out to the family farm uh, near Milledgeville, which was the state capital until the Civil War. But, um, well, it's... It's not a real metropolis. It's about an hour from Macon. Uh, It's the home to uh, three institutions, uh, which in her youth were uh, the Georgia State Military Academy, uh, the Georgia College for Women, and the Georgia State Insane Asylum. And uh, to this day, Georgia mothers will warn their misbehaving children, (laughs) you're going to end up in Milledgeville. There you go. Uh, O'Connor attended the the college. it was already clear that she had a great talent and went off to get an MFA in creative writing at the um, Writers' Workshop at the University of Iowa. And then her plan was to do what authors do and go to New York and write there. 
she tried that, but she came down with lupus. Oh, wow. A very difficult disease, especially um, then. There aren't great treatments for it. So instead of being part of the literary life in New York, she spent the rest of her short life living on a dairy farm with her mother in Milledgeville, Georgia, but corresponding uh, and, if possible, welcoming visits on her front porch from uh, all the literary literary lights she could. And so they came to see her. They came to see her. Instead of the other way around. Let me just remind everyone, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we are live in studio with Brian Reagan. And we're talking about Flannery O'Connell. Yes. And so she came, she, she is going to go to New York and be this great literary, and instead she's on a dairy farm and literature comes to her. Yes, but uh, uh, she remains, through all of this, a very pious Catholic. One of uh, the uh, books um, of hers that has been published only recently was the prayer diary she kept during her years at um, the um, University of Iowa. Uh, sorry, Iowa State. Uh, Her stories, though, are not uh, uh, pious stories about uh, good people. They are grotesque stories, and they often involve great violence. Uh, And that may be shocking, but uh, if you read the Holy Scriptures, uh, they are not nice stories about good people either. That's right. So... uh, she also said it was an advantage being a Southern writer because everybody in the South knew their Bible. Yeah. And uh, perhaps to this day, one of the flaws in Catholic education is that we don't know our Bibles as well as we should. So in her stories, she would both describe something that you can just see as the 1950s South and uh, infuse it with images taken from the Bible. So her first novel is called Wise Blood, and it's a man, about a man who's very much like St. Paul, only uh, he's not struck down from a horse, he's struck down from an automobile. And of course, uh, the good Bible readers in our audience know that the Bible doesn't say that St. Paul was struck down from a horse. It just says he was struck, struck down. down. Uh, the horse got into the story in the Middle Ages because St. Paul looked like a knight. Uh, And why did he look like a knight? He has as his attribute a sword because he was beheaded with a sword. You know, St. Lawrence holds a griddle because he was roasted on a griddle. That's right. But if you hold a sword, you'll look like a knight. Uh, The image of the sin of pride uh, was a mounted knight falling from a horse. Ah. Because, you know, what put you on your high horse? Pride. Right. right and right. what were the upper classes who had the horses tempted to? Pride. Pride. Yeah. So the two images were put together. Uh, Paul's conversion was interpreted as a proud man being humbled, and pride was interpreted as what makes you God's enemy and what you've got to lose if you want to be his disciple. Now, the hero of uh, Wise Blood is a lot uh, like St. Paul, but it's not simple pride uh, that uh, is his problem. It's the idea of utter independence that uh, has um, grown up in America, 
where we think that we're not bound by the past, that uh, we have no sins to answer for, almost as if uh, in going west to uh, uh, the Americas, we uh, undid our exile east of Eden. And uh, much of American culture has been about denying um, original sin. Mm. You know, the uh, uh, Unitarians that grew out of the old Puritans didn't disagree with them because they were better at math and said that three cannot be one. It's because they thought they were good people. The Puritans said, in Adam's fall, we sin it all. They said, no, we didn't. We all start fresh. And if that's true, you don't need a savior. That's right. The job description for the second person of the Trinity disappears. Right. So, yeah. uh, well, O'Connor, for many reasons, hated this tradition in American culture, which grows out of people like Emerson, and felt a sympathy with uh, the, um, the anti-tradition, uh, especially uh, uh, the books that grow out, uh, the um, authors like Nathaniel Hawthorne, who remembered uh, sin and didn't think you could get past it. So uh, Hazel Motes is constantly uh, asserting that uh, uh, he's new and free and clean, and uh, uh, he's, uh, he identifies his uh, car from which he preaches against Christ uh, oh, with really? his freedom. Uh, he says, this car is just beginning its life. A lightning bolt couldn't stop it. Uh, uh, he tries to preach something else, uh, the church without Christ, the church where the lame don't walk and the blind don't see and what's dead stays that way, the church that the uh, uh, blood of Jesus doesn't foul with redemption. He doesn't want to be redeemed, he wants to be free. Well, on his way out of town, he stopped, and a highway patrolman, after getting some sass from him and not getting a driver's license, just pushes his car which has been his pulpit, off a cliff. And he walks back to town, and this is shocking, but uh, blinds himself uh, to be like Paul. Uh, uh, he's seen another fake blind preacher who uh, uh, says, uh, uh, and he asks him, uh, uh, if God can heal uh, the blind, why don't you get him to heal you? And that man's answer is, he blinded Paul. Uh, there's a bit of uh, a Greek myth of Oedipus in here, too. Uh -huh. But after that, uh, Motes, who has uh, been talking about his cleanness and innocence, starts practicing penances because he's not clean, but now he wants to be. And the only way he can be is by accepting Jesus. Now, that's a shocking novel. But, it is. <laughs> but uh, it's also a profoundly uh, Christian and Catholic one. Uh, her later stories are equally shocking and equally beautiful. Um, I think the strongest of them is one called Revelation, and its main character is a lady uh, who is very pleased with herself. She's glad that Jesus made her just the way she is, uh, with just the right amount of money, uh, responsible, uh, you know, she's not black, not that she's against black, she'd rather be black than white trash, uh, but uh, she's just so happy. Yeah. And she actually says this when she's uh, waiting in a uh, doctor's waiting room. And one of the other people waiting there is a girl whose face is blue with acne, who's home from college, and is reading a book on human development. 
And that girl gets so disgusted by this woman's self-satisfaction that she throws the book at her and uh, knocks her down. And Mrs. Turpin, uh, you know, our, our good person, says, why did you do that to me? And she says, go back to hell, you old war warthog. Well, she goes home and cleans up her pig parlor, but this has been a message for her. And she starts yelling at Christ across the pig parlor and saying, how can I be saved in a warthog from hell too? So, and then she gets a vision. And in it, she sees uh, the line of the sunset and up it are marching all the different sorts of people, but in the wrong order. The freaks and the white trash and the blacks are there before the good white people. And it says they are still uh, responsible for the good order of the whole company. As they sing the hymns, they alone are on key. But she could tell by their shocked and altered faces that even their virtues were being worn, burned away. And as I read the story, it is a warning against something that uh, people who listen to this radio station are tempted to, and that is works righteousness and presumption. We all do things, I'm sure, that are good, but we shouldn't think that we are good because we have done good things. Uh, as uh, uh, good works are a duty, not a bargaining chip, yeah. and God doesn't love us because of them. He loves us anyway, That's right. and he knows how many of our good works we do uh, to feel better about ourselves or to get some praise and not out of true charity. Yeah, there's a, a, a I, I think it's fair to say that any good work we do is starts with God's grace. Yes. The, the only thing we have that is truly our own is our sin. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but, but on the other, you know, there is a, there's an author and I guess I, I, he's, he's more known as a, as a teacher than an author, but uh, kind of a wild capuchin who was yelling at, Saint Paul, at uh, Pope St. Paul mm -hmm. years and years ago. And uh, he brought him in, to, and he's been the uh, chaplain mm -hmm. for the papal household ever since um, Cantalamessa. And in one of his little books, he, he speaks to what you're speaking to, and he says... Uh, if if you're if you're praying and you're you know working in the church and you, and you see good things coming out of it, don't don't suppose that's because you're so good, <laughs> right? It, it it we God will make good out of anything, mm -hmm. right? But don't be presumptuous, mm -hmm. right? Don't be presumptuous. Be humble. Uh, I think this comes full circle to that whole sin of pride. Yes, it? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> sin of pride. Uh, I had I have heard Flannery O'Connor. I had not known much about her at all, but I think I've I think you've just expanded my reading list a little bit. Oh yes, the the uh, the stories uh, are are wonderful. Um, some others I'd recommend for people starting would be um, Everything That Rises Must Converge, and Parker's Back, uh, which is a man, about a man who has uh, Jesus tattooed on his back. Huh. So we have a reading list now, too. Yes. Oh, that's good. But also, uh, her letters <clears throat> are just delightful. Yeah. Uh, 
the um, uh, uh, collection of them in the Library of America, which also has all our fiction, uh, is a good place to start. I bet. So it sounds like she has short stories, she has letters, she has prayer journals and, and mm-hmm. everything else. So this, the music means that we're going to take a short break. Uh, so your job now is to go and tell someone to come and join us here on the radio. Uh, we're talking to Brian Reagan, who is the Catholic Man of the Year this year. He's an author and a scholar and, uh, and a great Catholic. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about the Holy Land, maybe, a little bit about the, um, uh, the Knights of Malta. And we're going to find out how come I keep singing those hymns wrong. <laughs> so please, join us in about two minutes. Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea. A St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're live in studio with Brian Reagan, uh, this year's Catholic Man of the Year. And as I talk about Catholic Man of the Year, I need to remember that we have Catholic Woman of the Year coming up. And if you know a, a, a wonderful Catholic woman who deserves this nomination, please give us a call at 636-447-6000 or go to www.saintjosephradio.net, that's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net, that's spelled out, S-A-I-N-T. And, and please, you can get an application. Now, let me, let me just forewarn you. You'll know a good woman who needs to be nominated, and you'll go up to her and say, you know, I want to nominate you for Catholic Woman of the Year. And she'll say, no. <laughs> and, well, that just means you just overcome the first qualification. Look, we do this so that we can be an example to others. We, we want, we need more good men, more good women. And sometimes, especially in this world, we need examples. It's okay to be good and Catholic. It's okay to be dedicated. It's okay to live your faith. In fact, that's what will change the world. So please, 
Uh, remember to call us at 636-447-6000 for an application. And or if you would like a copy of this program or any program, we're happy to send it to you. And, and just think of a topic that might be intriguing to you. We probably have it. We no doubt have it. Uh, we've been making videos and um, audios for almost more than 30 years anyway. Um, so again, we are here with Brian Reagan. And just before the program ended uh, for the break, I mentioned that I have been singing my hymns wrong. And uh, Brian, you're going to tell me why I've been singing my hymns wrong. Well, perhaps you've been singing them right and they've been printing them wrong in your uh, missalette or service leaflet. I get a little, I get a little bump in my arm or yes. a kick in my foot because I've said the wrong words. Uh, there has been uh, a great uh, movement to uh, alter uh, traditional hymns and modern hymnals. And uh, there may be some uh, good reasons for it. Uh, perhaps uh, some hymns are not... Uh, uh, understandable anymore, though I think very few. Uh, but there are several justifications given. Uh, one is just that there are words that we don't understand anymore, though um, I don't think that that's right in most cases. I think most people understand thee and thy, even if they don't use them in their sure. daily speech. Yeah. Uh, I saw one um, hymn, actually one by G.K. Chesterton, uh, and the Lines bind in a living tether the prince and priest and thrall, tie all our lives together, smite us and save us all. They were altered. Uh, the justification was that people don't understand the word thrall anymore. Well, I learned it by watching Star Trek when I was eight. So well, you're a wise man. Now I know you're a wise yes. man. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, uh, the other justification often answered is uh, to use inclusive language. Sure. And uh, 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 to some extent, that's fine as writing new hymns, but let's not change the rules of the language retroactively. And also, uh, if uh, we're going to uh, um, really accept the humanity of Christ, uh, we have to accept that he was um, a man, he was a Jew. We might prefer him to have been an Irish woman, but uh, he was not. <laughs> I so, don't think so. And also, uh, he taught us to call God Father. That's right. And uh, so, but what one of the things that interests me is the um, unspoken agenda. And I think there are several things on the unjust, unj unspoken agenda. Uh, first, we should address the commercial one. Uh, music publishers and, you know, our um, uh, Catholic liturgies, uh, for the most part, use not a denominational hymnal, but one of the uh, several hymnals produced by private uh, publishers. They all have an interest in keeping the material in them under copyright. And they do that ah. in a couple ways. One is by slightly changing the right. arrangements of the music. Interesting. So you slightly change the arrangement of the music, and it's back under copyright. The same with slightly altering the words. I didn't know that. Now, yeah. uh, perhaps I am being uh, too suspicious, but whenever money is involved, I think that one should be a bit suspicious. But leaving that aside... There has clearly been an effort to de-emphasize the very issue that we were talking about before, 
American culture does not like the idea of original sin. Mm-hmm. We like to think that we are all born innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christianity believes we are all sinners. That's right. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But you see the hymnals that we use changing the old hymns to de-emphasize uh, human sinfulness. The best example probably is uh, from uh, what may be uh, America's favorite hymn, Amazing Grace. Yeah. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Right. You will find hymnals and Catholic hymnals that take out the wretch. Really? That say that uh, saved and strengthened me or something wow. like that. That's, that's terrible. Oh, it is. You know, and, and you know, what, I thought you were going another direction, but mm-hmm. th- this is, this is it's, it's, it's wrong in two different ways. Uh, number one, uh, we should expect more of ourselves. Yes. And, you know, in terms of our language and, and our understanding of whether they be uh, a, 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 an old English mm-hmm. or even Latin or Greek, you know, why not expect a little more? Why, why dumb it down a little bit? Why not elevate it? Yes, uh, I've uh, seen this in education, too, and it is what I call uh, the contempt that masquerades as compassion. Uh, you say you want to make it easier for the people. Uh, what you're really saying is that you think so little of them that they, you don't think that they can deal with a little difficulty. Yeah. And uh, that is... Uh, clearly not true, that, uh, uh, you know, people uh, of every education, a level of education, actually like uh, to work a little bit. We not, do. You know, they don't, don't want to read old church Slavonic, but they're happy to uh, uh, read the, uh, the old words or even difficult words. It's they don't a, want to be uh, pandered to. They don't I want to be so. given pap. I, my men's group, years ago, we decided, you know, we're going to go to St. Anselm's, but back when they had the Latin oh, yes. Mass there, and we went on Saturday, and and the whole bunch of us went. Mm-hmm. And uh, Father Bede, who was saying oh, yes. the Mass, actually was a little shocked. He says, I, I don't think I've seen more men at a, at a Eucharist since, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Last Supper. You know, anyway, yes. he was just joking. But one of the things he said in that homily, I remember the first homily, he says, this is all in Latin, right, except for the homily. And he says... Uh, two things. One, we should expect more of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can learn a little bit. It, it, it's okay. And number two, because we don't understand something perfectly, doesn't make it less efficacious, mm-hmm. right? So it's a good thing to do. The, the, uh, we, we prayed like that mm-hmm. in, in Latin and in Greek and, uh, for centuries. And uh, our hymns have a certain meaning to them because they have a historical context mm-hmm. as well. Let's not lose that. No, no, and especially let's not uh, uh, water down the doctrines on which uh, our faith is based, and I'm afraid that uh, human sinfulness is one of them. Sure. You know, uh, uh, I just saw it in um, uh, The King of Love My Shepherd Is, uh, a version of the 23rd Psalm that we often sing. The original lyrics say, perverse and foolish, oft I strayed, but still in love he sought me. It was changed to confused and foolish. Confused 
as opposed to perverse. It's now, a little different. Sin is not confusion. Sin no. is, I'm, I can't remember where I put my car. Yeah. It is perverse. It's, I know where I put my car, but I'm going to take that one. That's right. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, uh, I also think that we could ask ourselves, uh, uh, the just were the justifications used when a lot of changes were made, did they turn out to work? You know, I remember that uh, uh, we were told that using uh, uh, simpler songs and folk songs and being informal at mass would bring in the young people. They were saying that when I was a young person. Has it worked? Well, the answer is no. Uh, the last thing that a young person wants is something directed to young people. Uh, you cannot uh, attract any child to anything by saying, here, have some kid stuff. They want the adult stuff. And uh, we more and more don't give it to them. We give everyone the, the child's version. Uh, you know, and sometimes we don't even care if it um, um, uh, makes sense. Um, I uh, uh, noticed, uh, uh, oh, during Lent we were singing, uh, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. Uh-huh, right. uh, well, uh, I believe the lines are, uh, Christ, on uh, Christ our Lord to earth descendeth our full homage to command. Well, uh, descendeth would be too hard for the people, so it's been changed to descending. But that gives us what uh, we grammarians call a dangling participle. You know, uh, it, uh, you don't have a finite verb in the sentence anymore. It just does not make sense. Uh, but uh, better that we cut out the F than um, uh, avoid nonsense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, we should, as you're saying, we should encourage ourselves. You know, I, I, we... We are approaching a time of difficulty in the church. We're mm -hmm. already here. And um, I mean, I'll tell you honestly, I, I enjoy the Latin Mass. I enjoy the traditional hymns. I enjoy the, um, uh, the, the more modern Mass. Having said that, uh, I think I used the wrong word already, yep. enjoy. I'm not there to right. enjoy them. I'm yep. there to go to Mass. And anytime I can go to Mass, I'm a happy guy. Yes, and I... I um, I uh, don't want to uh, uh, suggest uh, going back to any previous state of the church, but I do believe that we have mis made mistakes in all ages. Yeah. If you listen to some of the Victorian settings of the sure. Mass, uh, they sound like operas. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't a good thing. And now uh, uh, a lot of our masses sound like um, Stephen Sondheim on a really bad day. <laughs> That's not a good thing either. Also, I find that the modern rite is uh, just wonderful, perfectly moving, as long as it is uh, performed uh, reverently and uh, correctly. Yeah. And often, um, I'm afraid, Vatican II has been ignored in its texts, or and, misinterpreted, anyway. And misinterpreted and yeah. used as an excuse for everything. Yeah. It never said, uh, 
Uh, and here the priest can say whatever he wants to about anything. Well, I don't think that's there anywhere, but there seems to be some literary license there, that really, there, really doesn't uh, exist. I have been in churches where the yeah. priest would uh, take the microphone and work the room as yeah. if he were the MC. Yeah. And I know what you're saying. And that, that's uh, an abuse. And I will say I, I do not see it much in St. Louis. We don't. And that's what I was going to say. We just don't see that. I, you know, I was on the East Coast, and I, I saw a little of that, and I thought, mm -hmm. wow, that's a, little, that's a little out there. But again, at this point, we, you know, we, we have a lot of different styles of Masses. You know, I, I, I go to Incarnate Word. Tomorrow mm -hmm. morning, I will go to St. Matthew the Apostle. So there's a little bit of a different traditions. And as long as they are done reverently, uh, I am all for the variety. You know, uh, I um, I love when I have the chance to go to a Byzantine Catholic mass. Yes, yeah. I uh, loved having a chance a couple of years ago to go to go to an um, an ordinariate parish where they mm -hmm. use. I would love uh, to do that. I've never Anglican been. Rite, yeah, uh, uh, which has produced a lovely. Uh, 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 fully Orthodox Catholic prayer books drawing on the great Anglican tradition. Right. So I'm not against, uh, and also we have some wonderful new uh, uh, church music composers. Mm -hmm. Let's use them. Sure. Let's not be uh, sloppy and just take whatever uh, the Oregon Catholic press sure. gives us. Uh, you said something, and I, I want folks at least to, to know what it is. You said the ordinariate, and I, I, I'm not sure, it's, again, it's sort of topical for oh, today. Oh, yes. The, we have I, I think it's fair to say hundreds of thousands of uh, faithful who were previously in the Episcopal or Anglican yes. uh, uh, communities, and they petitioned uh, the Holy Father to come back in. And and these were bishops and priests and ordinary people and whole parishes. And uh, what the Holy Father did is create what's called the personal ordinariate. Yes, where they they are saying the mass in the way they used to we used to mm -hmm. 500 years ago and they've entered into full communion with the church so the church is in in a constant state of renewal and yeah. reunification and it's it's uh, they're they're fascinating parishes uh uh the um uh men who had been anglican priests and who were married uh, have in some cases been accepted reordained as catholic priests uh, with their wives, yeah. so. Uh, but it, the bishops yes. have, in humility, not. Yes. They're not bishops anymore. They're, mm -hmm. They may be priests, but they can't be bishops. Yes. And, but they've joined the church as well. Yeah, and they have been given uh, 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 things that are not quite dioceses, but work like dioceses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and. Uh, uh, but like the military diocese, exactly. So to speak. But we are we are used to that. You know, yeah. in um, uh, in St. Louis, we have Catholic parishes that are not part of our archdiocese. Of course, yeah. we've got the Maronite diocese and the uh, a And if yes. you should go to the mass at the Maronite, yes, it's, yes. it's really wonderful. Let me remind people that this is St. Joseph Radio presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host Peter Karutz, and I'm here with Brian Reagan, and we're 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 uh, off on. The tangent from our hymns to yes. really exploring the depth of the church. You know, few mm -hmm. people realize that the Catholic Church. And first off, I, I, you know, the Catholic Church is not a denomination. We are the church, but we do have twenty-three, I guess, twenty-two particular on, churches. Yes, particular uh, uh, rites. Yes, and 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 an ordinariates, and we have we have a huge variety in the way we worship. 
but the but we all we all worship in the same way with mm-hmm. one voice, etc. And and in this time, in these days, the best thing we can do to our friends, our Catholic friends who are fallen away, mm-hmm. or our Protestant friends, is invite him to mass and tell him it won't be perfect. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it is what we've been doing mm-hmm. since our Lord was educating those people on the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. right? When they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Mm-hmm. We've been doing the same thing <laughs> since the Last Supper. Yes, and, uh, and sometimes we've done it in splendid, glorious ways, and sometimes uh, we've been sloppy. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, uh, I hope we'll work on doing it in better and glorious ways. Uh, And a little um, uh, thought and a little criticism uh, never hurts. That's right, uh, and we should. But as long as we are not uh, uh, attacking people, uh, we have to uh, keep our eye on uh, the text or the music and not on the people who like it or the composers uh, or the, the writers. Uh, it's not for us to, to uh, judge any person, but we have to uh, try to offer the very best to God. And uh, uh, the uh, uh, Catholic liturgy, besides being whatever it is for the people, is the people's offering to God, and we better be trying to give him the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is our best. That's why our churches are so beautiful, right? Because we give mm-hmm. God our best. So talking about our best and the glorious and, yes. the, and, 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 and the incredible, tell me a little bit about that little Bible over there that we oh. have at the cathedral. Oh, the, the St. John's Bible. You have to know. If you haven't been listening carefully, take a note and, and listen to what we're about to tell you. If you haven't seen it, you have to go. Uh, the the St. John's Bible is the first completely hand-illuminated and hand-lettered Bible that has been produced in many centuries. It was um, uh, completed at um, St. John's Abbey and St. John's University in uh, Minnesota. The driving force behind it uh, was Peter Jackson, who has been a uh, uh, scrivener uh, to uh, 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 the Crown in England, and uh, is a great illustrator. He um, enlisted other people, including uh, a uh, heraldic illustrator I've worked with, Andrew Stewart Jameson, who did the invitation for today's coronation. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, worked especially in the on the Book of Matthew. Every page is decorated, and the um, illuminations are not reproductions of anything medieval. They are very modern. You see um, uh, images that were captured by the Hubble Space Telescope in some of the pages on creation. Uh, uh, Every page will uh, present you with something interesting and the important thing about it is that it will take you back to the text. You won't uh, just come to look at the pictures. The, the pictures are there to help you back into what the Bible is saying. And that's uh, why it's important, and that's why I'm glad we were able to uh, get it for um, uh, the Cathedral Basilica. And it's on display there. It is on display there, and for this year, 
Another copy, we do not have the original. We have a full-sized copy. Another full-sized copy is on display at Pontbon University. Ah. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm just delighted that the students there are getting the chance to see it regularly and up close. And think about it. When I saw it, and first of all, it's, it's larger than life. Yes. Literally. But what I, you know, you mentioned it in the beginning, they, folks will sometimes criticize uh, Catholics, and sometimes rightly so, that we, we could know our Bible better. And we always can. Mm -hmm. But think of how we all today have the Bible. It is but for the scribes, the mm -hmm. clerics, that's why we yes. call them clerics, who literally copied word for word for century upon century upon millennium. Mm -hmm. We preserve the Bible for all humanity. Yes. That's why it's there. And seeing, seeing this handwritten version gives, gives you some pause to remember that it wasn't always as easy as pulling it up on your phone. That's right. Right. And it wasn't as common as going to, to, my, to my bookshelf at home and having six mm -hmm. different versions. Right. It is, uh, it is a great gift. And then to read scripture and see how integrated it is from the, from the Hebrew scriptures to the New Testament and, and to continually find these integrations is, mm -hmm. is amazing. So it is a, a, it is a wonderful uh, treasure and you, you, everyone needs to go and take a look. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, one more thing I wanted to, to cover. We have, a, we have a moment or two and I know that you're a knight of Malta. I'm a knight of Malta and, 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 and a, um, a knight of the Order of St. John there, uh, uh, British Cousins, uh, huh. which is open to uh, um, all who can support the uh, objectives of a Christian order of chivalry, and a Knight of the Holy Sepulchre. There you are. And But the Knight of Malta, I was in the Holy Land recently, and uh, I had this uh, great opportunity to get a tour of the Holy Family Hospital in, the, um, in Bethlehem uh, by the ambassador, uh, Michelle. Oh, yes. Uh, and... And, and maybe you could share with our listeners a little bit about what that place is. Yes. Well, uh, let me start by saying that many people think of the uh, uh, Christian orders of chivalry as uh, chances for uh, people to dress up in costumes. Well, we do have regalia, and we do like to dress up uh, and uh, pr process at church, but that is not the essence of it. The f essence of uh, the orders of chivalry is... Uh, uh, serving our lords, the sick and the poor. And so more often you will see a Knight of Malta wearing a, um, a driver's uniform or an apron than his uh, church robes. Uh, but in uh, Bethlehem, we do something uh, especially wonderful. Uh, we run an obstetric hospital. I mean, what else would you have in Bethlehem? And it is open to all, regardless of faith or need, and it provides first-world obstetrical care and a wonderful NICU uh, in an era, era, area where most of the um, healthcare is third-world. Uh, it's run by Catholics. Most of the uh, patients are Muslim. That's right. And, uh, and but it's it's not a question. We we serve them all. And I have been there. I've, I, and it, I, I have to interrupt. We're about ready to end because of the music. But it is a unique place, and they serve everyone. Everyone. Uh, a maternity hospital in Bethlehem. Please come back and see us next time.
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.